Welcome to the Tom the Trainer Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Wooland. This podcast is for frustrated men and women who think they've tried everything to lose body fat and aren't willing to give up on their fitness goals. I'm going to give you clear, actionable steps to cut through all the bullshit in the industry, focus on what actually works, and dominate every aspect of your life. Now let's get into today's episode. All right, let's get right into this, everybody. It's Wednesday, January 17th, and like every Wednesday, I'm going live in the tribe in my free Facebook group, Tom the Trainer's Tribe. Podcast, podcast, bleh. podcast listeners, same deal. If you want to join the tribe and get your own questions answered, because you'll be watching, you'll be listening to this after the fact, then check the link in the description of this episode and we will, and I will answer your questions as well. And I'm going to have a look at the questions here. I'm going to organize them in order and we're going to get right into it. All right, let's see who we got here. Awesome. Everybody excited to be here. Everybody excited to get their questions answered. Again, this is something that I do 100% free for people. Um, I do what I do to help people. And I try to put out as many free resources as possible, whether it's through through the um, podcast or these lives. Um, and the community in Tom the Trainer's Tribe is an amazing community. There's lots of people in there who are winning, crushing it, posting workout, selfies for accountability. Sometimes I host live um live or live free challenges in there as well and um yeah it's just a matter of like it's a great place to be if you want help so let's get right into this um first question today is from danny and danny is asking if it's better to eat a meal before or after your meal but i think what danny means to say is is I'm assuming probably like after your before or after your workout. Um, and um, I, I believe it's great to do both Danny. And I believe I've talked about this previously, but I believe it's good to um, get fast, like clean carbohydrate sources, um, protein, complete protein source with all the essential amino acids and a little bit of fat pre-workout within about an hour before your workout. And then when it comes to post-workout, I like really digestible, uh, really fast acting carbohydrates. Um, and, and, and then with that, I also like protein and your timing of those meals is really kind of dependent on your timing throughout the day. Um, and the time of training, not everybody can always eat a meal right before they train. Cause some people, some people like to um, wake up in the morning and train fasted. And that's not necessarily my ideal way of training personally. Uh, but some people do that. And I think if you do that, um, you will get, it's more important if you do that, if you train fasted to get an meal, a meal in immediately. And also if you go check out, if you go check out, the podcast episode which is dropping it's dropping tomorrow on the 18th i went into this in detail on last week's live in the tribe so that podcast episode is uh honestly off the top of my head i can't recall but i will check it here while we're while we're looking so um i think it's going to be episode number 30 
no, sorry. I'd schedule them and then they come out and 31 podcast episode number 31 goes into that in detail. And that's going to drop tomorrow, January 18th. So if you just hang on till tomorrow, you get a really in-depth listen to that. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, go back to January 18th podcast, episode number 31. Um, Amanda wants to ask some question about push-pull exercises. Why do we say push-pull versus upper-lower body? And is there a pull type, is there pull type exercises for legs or are all leg exercises considered push exercises? Um, also, I don't know if that's a weird question, but can we talk about examples of those types of exercises that can be done at home and at the gym? <clears throat> so unpacking this a little bit for you, Amanda, is um, push exercises and pull exercises, they're... I would say there's pull exercises for lower body. I don't really categorize push exercises. I don't, I don't categorize um, leg exercises, push and pull. Some people may. Um, I personally categorize them as like quad dominant or hamstring dominant leg exercises. And, but push pull is most commonly used for upper body exercises when the exercise itself is primarily targeting muscles the simplest way to put it is like on the front of your body uh pushing and pushing extra pushing muscles are going to be chest triceps and shoulders and then pull muscles are going to be like the muscles within your back and there's a lot of them it's a very dynamic group of muscles and biceps and like rear delts <clears throat> and then like push pull versus upper body, lower body. Um, often I think what people are doing there is referring to their split. So push pull legs is a split where you do a, you do your push exercises one day, as, as I mentioned them, you do your pull exercises another day, and then you train legs on the third day. I personally think that's a really, really good way to train. If you're trying to bring up weak points, because you can do like a push day, a pull day, and then a weak point day. Uh, and I think that that's more something to focus upon when you're further along in the process of like a transformation. Like I, I wouldn't say to use push, pull, leg, weak point if like you've got 20 plus pounds of body fat to you to lose. Focus on getting lean and then worry about bringing up weak points. And having said that, like, honestly, I don't really think people should be worried about bringing up weak points until they're like pretty far into their career of training or their experience in training in, in the process. I think it's like that weak point training is something that like you'll see bodybuilders talk a lot about. And I talk a lot about this, like a lot of the information in the industry comes from bodybuilders and you can understand why. Um, but then you have to understand, like, you got to take advice that applies to you. So, and not all advice applies to you. So, you know, um, for example, 
I own a, an eighties Mustang. And if I want my Mustang, I want work done on my Mustang. I take my Mustang to a Mustang specialist because he knows Mustangs and the advice that he gives is going to apply specifically to my car. Right. It's similar in the sense of like the advice that you take from others should apply specifically to the goal of which that you're trying to achieve in that very moment. Right. And bodybuilders are at a completely different stage than someone who's just trying to get in shape or someone who struggles with consistency or somebody who's trying to do like an extreme transformation because they're, you know, um, overweight or, or whatever the case may be, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, bodybuilders, when they get to a point in their career, they've maximized their upper limits of what they can accomplish for muscle growth. And then in order to get to the next stage, they take advice from, the um, judges on areas of which that the judges felt were lagging in their physique to bring up to be more competitive. That generally doesn't apply a ton to individuals that you could consider with as languages like general population, right? So anyways, push-pull legs is a split and it's based upon what section of the body you're targeting each workout Upper lower is another split where you're targeting upper body one day, lower body another. <clears throat> and then there's full body. Full body is, well, makes sense. It's full body, right? Where you train all muscles of your body each time you train. Um, and then there are some hybrid splits as well. So like my program, uh, Metabolic Muscle Madness, does full body, upper, lower, push, pull legs as a progression model over the course of a 12-week period to increase the training density per muscle, the volume per muscle per training session over time and increase the intensity over time. <clears throat> but it still doesn't focus on like weak, uh, it doesn't have a weak point day per se. So that's your difference between, that's a really long roundabout answer to the difference between push, pull and upper body, lower body with hopefully a little bit more context that's helpful. Uh, everybody find that helpful so far? All right. And then we got somebody in the chat who's saying, hey, brother, doing chest, triceps, and shoulders as we speak. That's awesome, brother. Uh, I was just talking to Darren yesterday, I think it was, so, uh, or maybe even this morning, but... Uh, good for you, man. Get after it. Um, the next part of this question from Amanda is just like the categorizing of like pull type exercises for legs or push type exercises for legs, right? Some people can categorize their leg training under push pull. Now, for me, a push exercise with legs, although I don't categorize them that way, would be what I would say a quad dominant exercise where you're you're pushing with your legs, right? Um, and then a pull exercise for legs is going to be a hamstring dominant exercise for legs where you're pulling on the backside of your legs, you're pulling your heel towards your butt per se, right? 
or you could also categorize deadlift as a pull leg exercise. Again, some people do, I don't, but that's where you're pulling the weight off the floor. You're not pushing the weights, not on your back and you're pushing through the ground, the weights on the floor and you're pulling it off the floor. So that's why they categorize it that way. But, um, I don't like, I, I focus myself again on quad based exercises for legs. That's how I categorize them. I'm going to go on a, on a, on a, on a ramble here, but, uh, quad based exercises, hamstring based exercises, and then glute based exercises. But I categorize them even further than that. Like I categorize my exercises when it comes to legs as like squat variations and then hinge variations, right? And then each of those variations can bias different muscles dependent on the execution of the form, right? So like you squats would be a category, split squats would be a category, and then hinge would be a category. So looking at those categories, like a leg press would be a squat category, I would say. A squat and all the variations of squats would obviously be categorized under squat. Split squat categories would be like lunges and like Bulgarians and step-ups, right? Um, and then I think hinge, I don't know if I mentioned it, but hinge would be like um, a hip thrust or a like low back extension exercise or a deadlift would be hinge. And then you got like single leg exercise, exercise, like variations of those. Right. Um, and then what you can do, whether you're at home or at the gym is going to be dependent on the equipment that you have available to you. So hamstring exercises, good hamstring exercises are going to be like, which you, I guess could categorize as pull would be if you wanted to do it that way. You could do seated hamstring curls, lying hamstring curls, single or, or double legs. Um, those are your main focused hamstring style exercises where they're just isolating those. And then like a quad focused exercise is going to be leg extensions and different variations, different form execution on them to try to bias like specific areas of your quads more than others. But I don't really buy into that. I buy into like align your joints up in a way where you get the most output of that exercise um, and not create unnecessary like stress on your joints because you're working in lines that don't create that unnecessary stress on your joints at home. Not a ton that you can do uh, that are direct hamstring, maybe like a BOSU ball where you curl your feet in while you drive your hips up in the air. Um, but then when you're at home, if you're working with dumbbells, then, you know, deadlift variations, Romanian deadlifts, <clears throat> deadlifts off the floor, depending on the exercise that you have. And obviously these can apply to the gym and then squat variations, air squats, where you're just squatting your body weight, goblet squat, where you're holding the weight up around your chest, box squats, where you're sitting down onto a bench and standing up barbell squats, where obviously the barbells on your back front squats, where the bar is loaded on your front shoulders, 
and then you can um, use those variations as well off of like boxes so you can combine them. So I hope that was helpful. Just going to have a look here. And uh, Travi Mac, thanks for the question. Um, you're welcome to uh, do lives or create content for people anytime that you like. And I would say um, for anybody reading this question, it's always the keyboard warriors who don't do shit that want to talk shit. So have an awesome day, Travi. So anyways, um, and I'm not editing that out of the podcast because that's a that's a good, um, what's the word? Good lesson for people in general. If you ever got anybody like trying to razz you or give you hell, just understand that like their attack on you is more because they feel more insecure about themselves than they do what it is that you're doing and just keep doing you. And on the flip side of that, if you're somebody who attacks people out of, you know, like jealousy or whatever it may be that causes that, have a look at that internally and just be like, what do I need to work on in myself to make myself more secure about who I am as a person that um, I constantly feel the need to speak or feel negatively of others? So bonus question from Travi Mack. Did everybody find that useful? Everybody want to thank Travi for that question? His question was just in regards to sometimes my delay in saying things because I think about how I communicate. Travi obviously doesn't with the, his communication style. So everybody find that helpful. Everybody say thanks, Travi. All right. Next up is for Christian. Christian, buddy, thanks for your question. Um, and I'm going to get to um, – uh, Christian asked me something earlier, sent me something earlier. Christian, a busy morning, but I will get to it ASAP here for you, bro. It's coming, okay? Um, Christian says, trying to lose weight is oatmeal an option as a meal because of the carbs? Absolutely, buddy. Like, oatmeal is a great um, food source. And, like, I believe it's a great food source because of the fact that, like, it's a pretty clean digesting carb. It's filling. Um, but then it's also extremely convenient, right? And we live in a world where there's probably not a ton of convenience and we all have to go fast, right? We all have lots of stuff that we need to do. And so if you can find a convenient food source that you enjoy and you can leverage it, then leverage it. I will say I usually like to have a protein source with my oatmeal. So whether that's going to be like eggs, right? Um, the other thing is, is like, I don't like flavored oatmeals. Cause like, there's a ton of like sugar and things that are added to those when you buy like the packs, the flavored oatmeal packs. So the way that I like to flavor my oatmeal and I've talked about it a lot, but, um, is oatmeal protein powder. And then I like peanut butter for fats and I put berries in there for the flavor as well. If you've been listening to the podcast long or you've been listening to the watching the lives long, you'll notice that I lean into a lot of the same things that I find work and I just do them like repeatedly. Right. Um, 
And like, that's the key to success. The key to success in anything, whether it's like your diet, whether it's business, whether it's your like relationship is like finding solutions to the things that are causing the lack of your success in whatever area of your life that it may be finding solutions to those things and then like doing them relentlessly and leaning into them relentlessly because say for me, for example, using oatmeal, my oatmeal meal that I just described is something that allows for me to make really, really easy meal prep, really fast, convenient meal prep. And I used to eat a lot of red meat and beef and that makes for longer meal prep and shout out to my wife, Alyssa, who used to, who still does and used to help with my meal prep. It's like that used to take more time, take away from our time together and those kinds of things. So I found oatmeal to be a great food that worked not only for my nutritional needs, but my lifestyle needs. And I just lean into it. Like I eat that meal that I just mentioned four or five days a week, depending on how many days a week I'm training. Was that helpful, everybody? Awesome. Okay, so... All right. So for those who are on Instagram, I'm hopping off and Snow White, STI. What's up, man? I see you. See you often, by the way. Um, and it's absolutely right. You got to have the right trainer that you mesh with and that you jive with and focus on if what you're doing with them works keep doing what you do with them. Make sure that you're finding a trainer though. This is something that like on his point, when you find a trainer, make sure that the things that they're showing you are sustainable, right? The behaviors, the exercise executions, whatever those may be, make sure that they're sustainable. So like as an example, if you're working with a trainer and he gives you a diet that's not sustainable, well, or she, communicate with that trainer that you're having an issue with that diet and they should have a willingness to change it, right? Also, Snow White, if you're dealing with a trainer and like when you're doing exercises, they can't seem to like correct your form properly so you feel the muscle how you're supposed to feel it. Or when you're doing exercises with them, you're like, I don't know. Every time I do this exercise, like my elbow hurts or my knees hurt or every time I'm doing this exercise, I've been doing this exercise for so long that like my elbows are trash. Like I constantly feel like I have elbow tendonitis. That could be something that you experience, right? It's like, well, maybe what they're showing you is not right for you and either communicate with them that it's not right for you. Um, and if they have no willingness to be able to improve that situation, and it's proving to not be a good fit, that's when it's like, hey, am I with the right trainer, right? Does that make sense, everybody? So anyways, before I peace out, uh, if you're on IG, check the link in my bio if you want to join Tom the Trainer's Tribe. Lots of great useful information in there. Have the best day ever. All right, let's get into some more questions here.
question about Jessica. Jessica's crushing it, taking advantage of the tribe, taking advantage of the posts in the tribe, um, leveraging like social influence and social accountability. Uh, and I want to give her props because she like did a post and I would say like, it's like a vulnerable post because you like announced to a group of upwards of like 800 and some odd people that like, you've got a goal that you want to accomplish. And then you announce it to 800 some odd people. That's a vulnerable thing to do, but it also creates like a high level of like integrity in what you do. And it creates a high level of like, um, accountability because people with integrity don't want to be viewed as people who like just talk out there you know what that they do the things that they say they're going to do and she leveraged that recently and i seen her in the gym a couple of times and she's posting that she's been pretty consistent and i just want to say super proud of her and also jessica was a, a client that worked with me in the past um so i always love to see clients crushing it um even after we work together um you build bonds with people right so shout out to jessica she wants to know how to properly manage food nutrition calories as a shift worker two weeks of 12 hour days and then two weeks of 12 hour nights yeah so i feel you when you ask this question because like this question is like a legit issue for many in that circumstance and it's hard because you're like, you're shifting, you're working hours constantly and we thrive on routine. And it's like, you can't nail down a true routine when you do that. You have to change your routine often. So the best thing that I can say is you have to find a way to find routine in that like chaotic routine like there's routine there but it changes and then like how do you find the trends that work to you which can apply to your nutrition but then can also apply to your workouts right um so it depends so it really kind of depends on how you shift your sleeping patterns i guess a little bit but um what I recommend and like what my wife, Alyssa, I've recommended to her because every six weeks she goes on nights is to look at your food as like a 24 hour period when you're managing it overall in those shifts, right? In those changes. So say for example, it's like um, your week of nights, your week of nights, your first week of nights, you're probably going to wind up being up earlier in the day than as those shifts um, have some frequency to them. So that first day, you know, say you sleep in a little bit and then like you have breakfast and instead of having breakfast at 10 o'clock in the morning or whatever time you have it, you wind up having it at like noon or two. Cause you could also like, hold off and like fast a little bit to push that first meal till later in the day because let's face it the time that you're awake where you need to manage your hunger becomes longer when that happens before your sleep pattern reshifts uh so look at your food as like a 24-hour period in those in those changes okay um and then 
and then and then what I would do is find consistency in the routine of like what your breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks are. And the biggest barrier that you're going to have to be able to manage that routine and that timing based upon the like, um, what's the word I want to use here? Based upon like the recency or the proximity, based upon the proximity of your wake up time and your bedtime, keep those the same. So if you have breakfast, like normally an hour after you wake up, keep your breakfast an hour after you wake up when you're on nights. If your last meal of the night is an hour before bed, keep that last meal an hour before bed. And whatever the frequency is within those two bookend meals, keep that frequency the same. And again, your biggest area, your biggest area of challenge is when that shift rotates, right? So on the coming off of nights and switching over to days it can probably be a challenge um because you're probably actually like you probably go to bed and you probably wake up on maybe six hours of sleep or five hours of sleep instead of your eight hours of sleep so your overall calories through over the 24 hour period though is, is what matters most so whether you um have your meals condensed over that 24 hour period upon waking before, like from waking to bed, if you wind up condensing them a little bit, you could do that. But the best way that I would say to do it is just like, look at it as a 24 hour period. So maybe like, okay, you're coming off of nights and you eat five meals per day and you're coming off of nights and you eat five meals per day. And then you kind of have like, you could have your next meal before you wind up going to bed to get that meal out of the way and then not have such a struggle of condensing the meals between. Is that really helpful? Like I want to make sure that's making sense for everybody. Like, does that make sense in the way of which that like I'm explaining it? I just want to check in the chat. Just say makes sense in the way I'm explaining it. Because like, as you can tell, like when I'm awesome, somebody said it makes sense when I'm working with a client so when people ask questions in the, in the lives, um, I can go off on tangents. When people ask questions in the lives, it's like, I'm like, okay, well, what about this factor? And what about that factor? And then like, well, what about, okay. And then if they're, I don't know, if their uh, personality type is like this, then what would I suggest? And I try to cover all those bases in my, in my answers to the questions, which I know gives like a very wide range of options. Whereas when I'm working with a client, sometimes it's like, we'll hop on a call, right? Or we'll be able to ask questions back and forth um, to get to the right possible outcome, to get to the best outcome. But that's also why I include personal private coaching calls with my clients is because like some things are better suited for just like real live context back and forth, right? Um, I'm glad people are saying it makes sense. And then Shauna is asking, what exercises do you recommend to strengthen your core? So uh, I love this question because core strength is like so important. Like it is so important. And as a trainer and like as a person who himself 
experienced a like debilitating back injury and then went on like i went from like putting my shoes on putting my socks on pardon me like drop like laying on my back in bed just to be able to put my socks on and some days it was so bad that like i used to have to ask my son when it was at its worst i would have to ask my son's mother maddox to like help me sometimes because it was like that bad when it was at the peak of it to deadlifting 460 pounds and like you can be sure that the only way that i was able to accomplish that kind of progression and recovery in my injury was through like core strengthening core strengthening was a massive massive factor so i believe core strengthening is absolutely huge so i love that this question was asked and i think people overlook it like i think people sleep on core strength and if you have a strong core you're going to reduce your risk of injury right like 100 percent, you're going to reduce your risk of injury and if you're dealing with a previous injury then you're going to like decrease the likelihood of aggravating that injury when we're talking about spinal injuries um, and you're going to be able to rehab that injury with the help of like a professional there's mobility things and stuff that you need to do as well but like so many people sleep on core exercises and so for me when i talk about core exercises i don't like any type of core exercise that loads the spine and then emphasizes movement of the spine, right? So I actually met my wife, Alyssa, when I was a trainer at Good Life um, in the month of March when I was building my business. That was the month that I was the number one trainer in the entire country for Good Life Fitness. And um, I met her on the gym floor and she was doing side bends. So she was like holding onto a plate and like bending sideways to work her core. And I actually kind of just went up to her and I was like, Hey, you know, like I built my business through helping people on the gym floor when I was at good life. Right. I, and I just went up and offered some help. And I saw that I also said, it was like, you did like you suffer from back pain. Cause I could just see some things and she had broken her back previously. And it's a long story. You can listen to a podcast. I'll tell you what podcast episode to listen to about that story. But anyways, I don't believe that you should do exercises that load the spine and then, and then, and then emphasize movement. Okay. It's such a gray area. So for the most part, I don't like that. There's a time and a place for it in rehab when you need to desensitize the signal from your central nervous system because the injury is healed, but your central nervous system is just on high alert always. Then there's a time for like, bending and loading to a degree but as a rule of thumb i avoid any core exercises that um load the spine in movement and i just think it's risky so um some of the exercises that i really really enjoy are planks but a plank needs to be done correctly there should be no sag in your spine when you do a plank Far too often I see people when they're doing planks where their low back sags towards the ground and they're like, yeah, I'm doing a plank. And, and, and to me, you know, not to be a jerk, I'm thinking like, well, you're not doing a plank. Like you're just trying to, like, you're just hanging on your spine there, right? Like engage your core, suck your belly button up into your core, make sure you're squeezing and flexing your glutes, 
and you're locking that place in a stable position. And when your abs give out, that's when you come down out of a core, out of a plank. Side plank as well. Same idea. You don't want any sag in your hips while you're doing that. You want to squeeze your glutes. You want to keep your spine in what's called like a, a neutral position where it's like neutral alignment is and keep it there and lock it in. Um, when it comes to crunching exercises, I like things like hanging leg raises because they decompress the spine to train those muscles. Okay. So that's why I like those because they're not compressing the spine under load. They're decompressing. Okay. Um, and then an entry level exercise would be like a dead bug, but with a dead bug, I see so many people butchering dead bugs and I watch stuff online and stuff. And I like, I watch others and I even see trainers doing dead bugs with their clients where they're not saying right or wrong, but like I see them extend their leg way out and have their heel almost touch the floor. Well, that's grabbing on your low back and wrenching it off the floor. It's putting your low back into a severe position of extension. So I like to keep your low back placed into the floor. I like to keep my ankles high. Okay. I don't like to have excessive movement of the limb of the leg. And then I like to reach up overhead in my dead bugs. Um, so they're good. And then bird dogs, bird dog is where you're on all four. So you're on like your wrists and your knees. Um, and then what you're doing is, is you're locking in your core, right? So I like to like draw in air, breathe into my stomach, lock in my core and flex it as, as hard as possible and then manage movement while I extend the opposite arm and the opposite leg. Again, I see people and I see trainers doing these exercises where there's like no control with a bird dog and they're just like flailing their arms and their limbs and their spine is twisting and their spine is arching and stuff. And it's like, that's not a way to manage that exercise. You're just moving at that point you're not training at that point. So make sure that like when you're doing those exercises, you're considering the fact of like, I'm, I'm resisting movement in my spine while I do this through core stability and strength. Um, another good core exercise for some would be like a reverse hyper where you can like lie down on an elevated hyper extension machine and then kick your legs upwards right? So like you're facing downward while laying down and, and the load comes off your legs as your legs come closer to the ground. And then you kick your legs upwards to hit the low back extensors. And then you could also like turn around in that machine where you lock your feet in place and you could do a height, like an extension, right? Where you're lowering your face towards the floor and your upper body towards the floor. And then you're lifting your upper body upwards to fire those low back muscles. Again, with those exercises, I personally don't like to hyper extend in my low back. And like, I, I feel like it's like, I think the exercise is called a hyper extension. I don't prefer to do that. I like to lock in my spine, lock in my core, flex my core, flex my low back come up as high as I can without extending the low back because the muscles of your core are anti-movement muscles um, and train them that way. Okay. Another thing that you can do 
and this is all dependent on ability because no, like a like a like a, a 300 pound man for example is probably gonna have a hard time with hyper extensions right um a 300 or or, or a 300 pound woman or a very heavy person who doesn't have a lot of muscle mass on them and is um you know needs to make a lot of changes for health those exercises are going to be harder so that's where i would lean into some of the earlier exercises i mentioned but a really advanced exercise that you can do on the hyperextension is where you lock your feet in and instead of facing downwards, you face upwards and then you allow your upper body to go towards the floor and then you kind of come up in a crunch. I really, really like this exercise because we all have tight hips and, I, and executing it well will lengthen out your hips and there's no compressive force when lengthening those muscles. Many of us have tight psoas which is a really really common thing from sitting often and i find that that stretches that out but you have to understand that you have to be capable of doing so right so these are all suggestions of ways to train but then you have to have some intuitive decision making process and your own capabilities and whether or not that's the right selection for you and obviously that's where like intuitive decision making comes into place knowledge of variations um, or like reaching out for help through an expert who just knows those answers and has worked with, you know, hundreds of people to get them to their goals based on like their different abilities. Right. So I think that's everything. I'm going to just double check here. I think it's everything. A comments, a comments. Sweet. So yeah, that is 100% everything. Uh, if you found this to be really, really useful, do me a favor, drop a useful in the chat. A lot of people have been saying thanks and helpful and helpful and useful. So I'm loving that these are really helpful for everybody. They're not going to stop. I'm going to keep doing them. I'm super busy right now working on a couple of projects. Um, but I won't stop doing these no matter how busy I get because I can tell that they're helping and I'm here to help. So I uh, appreciate all of you for being in the tribe on my Facebook page. You were able to watch this a little bit longer than normal. No worries. And um, if you're not in the tribe yet, Facebook on my personal page, go check the link, join the tribe. You're welcome. The tribe is only for like good kick-ass people with like positive, positive mindsets, but that's all discussed when you head into the tribe. Uh, there's no like negative, like, uh, no negativity in the tribe. I'm going to put that out there based on some of the comments that I saw on my IG. Uh, and then also if you're listening to the podcast, check out the tribe, but just understand that, um, the kind of stuff that stuff that might be welcome in other fitness spaces isn't welcome in the tribe. It's no BS. So hope everybody enjoyed this. Have the best day ever and, uh, happy to help. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. If you found today's episode valuable, please give me a five-star review and share it on your social media so I can have an even bigger impact. And if you want more information on how I can help you lose 15 to 52 pounds of body fat in 12 weeks, send me a message that says coaching to my Instagram at TomTheTrainerFitness.